Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfect. Oh, mercy! Five, four, two, two, one. Welcome into the Mass and All Access podcast, everybody. Our last podcast episode of the 2020 offseason, 2019-20 offseason. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano with you. As always, of course, we're brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about our student athletes and programs today. The Super Bowl is over. Football season is over. It is officially baseball time. We are just about eight days uh, exactly, excuse me, not, not just about, exactly mm-hmm. eight days away from pitchers and catchers reporting to West Palm Beach, Florida for your defending World Series champion, Washington Nationals. We are going to discuss a couple of the, uh, some of our uh, biggest headlines uh, to look after uh, for the next couple of months, month and a half or so, entering spring training. Um, and then also, we're going to piggyback on our conversation from last week and talk about some of the uh, uh, which teams, in, and specifically the NL East today, I think, um, which teams improved and which teams did not, maybe took a step back over this offseason going into the new year. Um, and then we might even broaden up uh, and look at more. The, the National League as a whole, maybe even all of baseball, see which teams we like looking uh, heading into the new year. But, Paul, it's a brand-new season. We've got this one week of kind of just sitting and waiting, get your affairs in order before uh, it's all uh, all baseball full steam ahead. Yeah, affairs in order as if you're, like, about to pass. Like yeah. As if you're, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's... And that that is what will happen to our social lives. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's exciting time. It, it, this is... One of those weird weeks because the Super Bowl has so much hype, and now there's just a total downfall. Right, and uh, yeah, next thing on the docket is is baseball. It, I mean, it does feel like earlier and earlier every year. Um, I think it, it technically it is a day earlier that they're reporting, um, but yeah, it, it's going to be uh, an interesting scene. I think down at West Palm Beach. Ooh, that's. Uh to say the least, mm-hmm. a very interesting scene. It's going to be the, uh, I think, the center of the baseball world, considering the Astros. We'll get into that too, obviously. Beef Daddy Four commenting on Periscope. If you're watching along on Twitter, on Mass and National's Twitter account, or the Mass and Facebook, Mass and Access, and Mass and National's Facebook pages, uh, please comment along. We're, we're following along live here with you. Uh, as they say in hockey, let's watch anything but hockey. So glad time for baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the last week. You know, if you if you're into hockey or the or college basketball or the NBA, you know, you get your last full week of of just those sports to, to, to watch and, and tune into, but then, you know, pitchers and catchers. And before you know it, we'll have spring training games to talk about too. So yeah, baseball season's coming up quickly. It is. I mean, it just feels, it, <laughs> I said, we're, this is our last off season episode and it feels like we just finished recording our last world series episode after game seven down in Houston. And we've, it feels like we've only done a handful of these episodes in studio this off season. And we're going to go right down to West Palm beach in about yeah. a week um, and getting a bunch of interviews and hearing from players. And of course, Davey Martinez, uh, I'm sure there's a lot of topics to be had, you know, obviously the defending world series champion nationals who beat the Astros who are across the hall and then um, across the way, really, they don't really see each other. It's a long haul. Uh, And (laughs) it is a long haul. And also the parking for us is by the Astros facility. And we have to walk all the way across to get to the national side, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Of course, the Astros have been, center of attention this off season with the the sign stealing scandal um and then they just hired former nationals manager dusty baker um who's now going to be in, in town as well for the next month and a half so it's a lot of different things rolling in paul let's get started to you what's what's one of your top storylines you're looking forward to uh, heading into spring training well it's interesting because i think the the last several years 
you could make an argument they've been that West Palm Beach has been the center of the baseball world because going all the way back to you know the the Astros won it in 2017, so they have, were the defending champs in the baseball world descending there. The fact that Bryce Harper was soon to be a free agent, I remember seeing the new media newsroom crowded, packed, as people were waiting to get anything out of Bryce Harper, and he ended up saying absolutely nothing. Yep. Um, and, you know, the the fact that they there's always been something to talk about. The fact that they that season was also the first season of Davey Martinez was the manager, and they just fired Dusty Baker. And the fact that, uh, you know, this year they not only have all the Astros stuff and not only have the defending world championship, but also... You know, they have to answer questions about Anthony Rendon leaving, and Mm -hmm. there's just so much to talk about. However, I am going to focus on a minor thing that um, really probably uh, will have an impact on the Nationals over the course of the season, but just something to to watch out for, I think, uh, in spring training, which is Carter Keboom. I think that is my top storyline going into spring training, besides all the stuff of how will they bounce back, how will they react. Um, to being the champs, and what will they have to say about the Astros? The actual on-the-field stuff, Carter Keboom, Davey Martinez said on SiriusXM about a month ago that Carter Keboom would have the opportunity to make the team, and if he made the team, he would be a third baseman. Is he going to take advantage of that? Do they have room for him if he is to make the team, and who is going to suffer as a result of that, and whose playing time is going to suffer as a result of that? So Carter Keboom is, I think, the guy to watch um, on the field, at least, in spring training. Yeah, he's definitely going to have a lot of attention on him, especially with the departure of Anthony Rendon, and can he fee- be the full-time third baseman? I mean, that's a topic we've talked about a lot this offseason on the podcast, and you've heard you know many reports reporters wondering the same thing. Can he take that final step and be a full-time major leaguer? This is going to be his first full spring training with the opportunity to, to do that. The position is his if he if he can step up and take it. Um, it's just a matter of can he actually produce it on the field. Sticking on the field, though, for me – Larger question, obviously, this is a question that goes into every team who wins the World Series or wins the championship. How do you respond? How do you back it up? And to me, it's really like, how are they going to manage these players' time? And can these guys, because this is an older roster. I mean, if you think about it, this is not a young roster anymore. This is a lot of guys on the wrong side of 30 and getting closer to 40 age, um, getting a lot of innings and a lot of at-bats under their belts. Um, How are... David Martinez and Mike Rizzo and the coaching staff going to manage some of these guys' playing time, to so to speak, um, and, and workload heading into the spring training. Because, again, we just talked about I mean, they just finished the season near almost in November, the late October. It's not easy. And I think we have a large enough sample size where, you know, we haven't seen a repeat World Series champion since 99-2000. We've only seen two teams make back-to-back World Series, the Dodgers a couple years, the past couple years, and then uh, the Royals in uh, 14 and 15. And of those four appearances, only one championship was made. So it's, you know, it's not easy to get back to where you were considering how long that season takes to win a World Series. You have to go th- basically to November. You get two and a half months off, and then you're right back at it. And again, this, with an older roster, and I, I, that'd be my concern is how how – how are these guys physically, and are they able to put together a long stretch of wins and be able to get not just make the postseason again, but make another run at a title? It's going to be tough because it, I mean, like I said, it hasn't, it doesn't happen too often. I think we know we know why. Baseball is a very grueling sport in terms of how long the season is, so it's going to be interesting to see how they manage the workload for some of these guys. And if I had to predict how Davey Martinez will manage will manage these guys in West Palm Beach, 
I have a feeling a lot of the fans might be slightly disappointed when they come to the ballpark and see the lineup just because yeah. I have a feeling they're going to rely on a lot of the, the young guys that are not going to make the team. They're going to rely on having some minor leaguers just to get through these games. It is not only a long season, a long postseason, it's a long spring training. Yeah. I mean, this is a, a six-week stretch from the time that they report on February 12th up until opening day on March 26th. That's a long time for these guys, and considering their short off-seasons, they're probably going to want a lot of days off. We know that the veterans often take days off on the, the bus trips. Pretty much any time they have a bus trip over an hour, you know, a lot of the veterans will sit back, they'll work out at the facility, they'll take the day off. That kind of stuff goes without saying and happens every year. But this year I could see Davey Martinez easing up on the pedal, maybe not having Adam Eaton in the lineup most days, maybe not having Ryan Zimmerman in the lineup most days, and, and relying on the guys just to get through these games because obviously these games don't matter. And we know that the veterans are going to come prepared just to get through these games, playing a lot of guys that we'll never see during 2020. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be tough. And it'll be interesting to see how, again, they all kind of work out. I think also another factor is that, you know, the season is starting, it seems, early, the regular season, earlier and earlier every year. So it's getting right back on that horse and yeah. going. So, you know, it's spring training is shorter, which is, I think is a good thing in general. But they're, they're still starting at the same time, mid-February. I think yeah. it's still exhausting for some of these guys. So that would be tough, something to keep an eye on. Uh, number two for you? Um, it goes along with that, and it's in particular with Ryan Zimmerman. Because yeah. uh, two years ago, um, you know, he barely appeared at the facility the entire time. He spent almost the entire time on the backfields at West Palm Beach. Um, I don't think, did he appear in any games that spring training? One. One game, one okay. major league game, and it was this was the spring of twenty eighteen. Yes, I believe. Um, and he came out that season and started off very slow, coming off a strong twenty seventeen. Yeah, coming off an all star season twenty seventeen, right. right. he was very slow. Um, that was another year like the past two seasons have been where he has struggled with injuries, um, and it you know it was framed as. Well, Ryan is a veteran guy. He knows how to take care of his body. He knows what he needs to do to get ready for the season. You can make an argument, and we don't know exactly what he was feeling during that spring training, but it didn't really work out. you know. And so last year, they went with a more traditional approach, had Zim playing more games, mm -hmm. appear more times, not just on the backfields. How are they going to use him this year? Because mm -hmm. now you have Eric Thames. You, you still brought Zim back, so you still expect him to be a piece. He's supposed to be fully healthy, so do they? are they going to play him in a handful of games? Are they going to go back to the 2018 model and barely use him at all? How is Zim? How much of Zim are we going to see this spring training? Yeah, I think my number two is kind of tied in with that as well. It's not so more specifically Zim. It's more so first base in general. Uh, how are Dave, Dave Martinez going to... Uh, divvy up the innings and the at-bats between Zimmerman, Thames, and Howie Kendrick, possibly as Drupal Cabrera if, you know, Carter Keebum does take over the third base side and you have Starling Castro at, at second. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult because we talked about a lot. These are guys that, you know, you want in the lineup, but there's only X amount of spots for these guys to put in there. Is the rotation going to work? Like, think of it as a starting rotation, you know, get, give guys two or three starts a week and and come, you know, make sure you get guys pinch hitting opportunities coming off the bench. It'll be really interesting to see. And it's going to be something Dave's going to be asked a lot, especially once the games start, um, spring training games. Like, how are you going to get everyone the right number of at-bats, not only to stay healthy and 
stay consistent, but also get the maximum production out of each player so they're not just sitting on the bench too long. Um, exactly. I think that's that's going to be a tough – and also those are guys, older guys too, that, you know, they it's a tricky balance, not just getting them at-bats, but also giving them the rest they need. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they kind of plan that out too. Um, and number three. Number three for me is the fifth starter spot. Mm. Who's going to win that that final job? Because we know the candidates. They have been the candidates for the past few years, it feels like. Um, Eric Fetty, Austin Voth. Uh, maybe Joe Ross, if need be. So three guys that all come with relatively similar credentials, um, with the exception that Joe Ross started a World Series game. And who is going to be the one who steps up? It might be one of them coming out of spring training, and that might change over the course of the season. It might be one of them coming out of spring training, and he's the lock. It might be a mix of guys coming out of spring training. Davey Martinez might go with committee um, for that fifth starter spot. But... Who is going to step up, have the best spring training, and seize the opportunity? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm going to tag. I'm, this is not my number three, but to maybe add like partial to that too. Sure. I wonder how the 26th man is going to affect either the extra arm or the extra um, sure. bench player, and how that's going to play into the effect of the fifth starter swap. Because then they could feel like, all right, well, we can. You're the fifth starter, and someone else is going to go to the bullpen. That's how we're going to keep use that extra man on the roster this season. Uh, but my number three. It's actually going to be uh, Trey Turner. Can he take the step and be an elite shortstop this year and fill the void left behind by Anthony Rendon, his favorite player, his best friend? Yeah. Um, he needs to take a huge leap for this team and this offense because, I mean, it's no secret. Anthony Rendon was, you know, an MVP caliber uh, bat in this lineup and also defensively playing third base. Trey Turner, Trey Turner plays a really strong shortstop, but I'm not worried about defensively. I'm more concerned offensively. Can he set the tone, take a step? Uh, we know where we're getting at Juan Soto. Hopefully he can improve. You expect um, uh, Victor Robles to take more strides. You know, we talked about how the uh, first base and third base might be divvied up, but Trey Turner is the one sure thing in this infield and in this lineup. And can he take that step and be, you know, an elite shortstop and and kind of carry this offense in the way that Anthony Rendon did in 2019? Well, that's yeah, that's what he's been groomed to, yeah. to do at this point. I think this that that is you know the guy similar to Rendon. Um, you know, we saw strong seasons out of Rendon, but it wasn't until the 2019 season that he really had an MVP caliber season. He broke out and proved that he was one of the best players in baseball. I, I agree. I think Trey has always had that ability. Yeah. For me, also interestingly enough, you mentioned that he has been solid at shortstop. I think by the eye test, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he makes plays uh, game in and game out that um, are spectacular. He has the jump throw, the Jeter jump throw down. He's got great range <laughs> left and right by the eye test. For whatever reason, the metrics do not like Trey Turner as huh. a defensive shortstop. Uh, the Nationals were last year near the bottom of the league in terms of ultimate zone rating, in terms of defensive run saves, all the fan graph uh, and and stat cast um, statistics that back up defensive play. I'm wondering if he can slightly change that. And I don't know if the Nationals care about that. I don't know if they pay attention to that kind of stuff. But for whatever reason, he has not statistically been excellent defensively if you dive deep into the stats. So can he turn that around slightly, maybe change those numbers somehow? By the eye test, he seems to be doing great. But right. for whatever reason, the advanced stats don't like him. And keep in mind, he also played with a broken finger all last he year. He did. So play can he stay healthy? Yeah. If he stays healthy, that might help too. Um, you know, and again, I don't know how those numbers stack up for him statistically in the Statcast era for uh, for Trey Turner in terms of his defense, but also offensively. I mean, it's not like I'm not saying that Trey Turner needs to take a big step because he's solid. I mean, he's a two, career 290 hitter, um, but he's never hit 20 home runs. 
We've talked about how his entire career, how he's got that sneaky pop. He's he's got 19 each of the last two seasons, but never eclipsed 20. Uh, his highest RBI count is 30, 73, but that also might be a factor that he usually bats high in the lineup. Um, yeah, because he take that step and, and covers a lot of this. A lot of I, I saw Fangraphs, you know, pr- kind of put a projection of what Anthony Rendon's absence does to the Nationals lineup, and they kind of expect because he's going to basically have to Trey Turner is going to have to carry a lot of his offense um, and, 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 you know, eclipse some of these milestones that he hasn't done before in a single season. So it'll be interesting to see if he can actually take that step defensive metrics as well. You mentioned if the nationals care about that. I think they do. I think they probably do, but you know, not as enough to bench Trey Turner. No, no, you know, no, but not by any stretch. Right. Yeah. So, but it, I'm sure they're well aware and it's something that they may be focused on in, in, in camp. Yeah. to try to get him a little better up stat guys wise. Yeah, and you threw the caveat in there that about his finger, and I'll also throw in, he did miss some time, and mm. you know those numbers can be slightly skewed by, this is just looking positionally, can be skewed by the fact that they needed several guys like a Howie Kendrick to kind of fill that spot, and those guys were not fully prepared defensively to fill that spot. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing. But, yeah, those are my three big storylines, but I will throw in, how similar to Trey Turner, how are these guys going to be? How fully healthy? Yeah. I know Max Scherzer said uh, at the uh, Winterfest that I'm 100%. I don't want to get questions anymore about this, but are they going to feel a little bit of a, a World Series hangover? Not yeah. just not just with the way that they approach the game, but with their bodies. Are they these guys going to be a little bit more broken down when they enter spring training? It's also important to see how they start off the season. Because, uh, again, like I think I mentioned this last week, no more 19 and 31. Like, yeah. can't do that again, obviously. That is, it worked out once. You can't count on being able to come back uh, every single year by that starting out slow. And, you know, I think it would be a little more reasonable to expect a starter slow this year just because of the World Series hangover, but it can't be that bad. You know, if, yeah. if, again, if we're getting into end of May and they're in third place or second place in the NL East, I don't, that wouldn't concern me as much. It almost might be a little expected because, again, they played until November, yeah. um, but we'll see how they turn it around. But I, I, I really don't think Dave Martinez and and the whole team wants another slow start like they saw last year. They need to come out the gate at least firing, at least playing five hundred, if not a little bit of five hundred ball, because uh, I, I don't see them being able to dig themselves that deep of a hole and climb away out of it like they did last year. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, turning the attention to all around baseball, mm-hmm. the off season. How would you assess? how teams did overall now that most of the chips have fallen. There are still a few lingering ones out there. Biggest one probably being Mookie Betts. If a trade goes down, we've heard Ken Rosenthal say it's going to happen. Just depends on when and to whom. Mm -hmm. But with assuming that that has not happened yet, so we don't know what's going on there. Where do you think these teams stack up? Who are the best, worst off-seasons? Well, first of all, I think this was one of the best off-seasons we've had in a while, overall in baseball. Just as baseball, yeah. yeah. I mean, take away the Astro scandal stuff. I mean, actual, like, transaction, signing of free agents, making trades. It was entertaining. We had a good time following along, and the winter meetings were uh, were interesting. Stuff happened there. Um, you know, I think two sleepers that I think people don't pay attention to because they've been so bad for so long are the Reds and the White Sox. I think those two teams made very interesting moves in terms of getting better. You know, I'm not saying that they're going to make the playoffs this year or or win the World Series, but they are definitely going to be, I think both teams are going to be better than they have been in the past a couple of years. I saw some predictions saying that the Reds could finish second in the NL Central. The White Sox could, you know, the, the AL Central is going to be a tough division this year with the Twins getting Donaldson. Um, the Indians, are they going to 
compete or are they going to try to do a rebuild? Um, and then the White Sox went there with a lot of young talent and, and made some made some uh, nice moves this offseason. But the Reds, they they added Nicholas Castellanos uh, just last week. They've already gotten Mike Moustakas. They added Wade Miley, to, and they also have Trevor Bauer from last season. And they got Shogo Akiyama. It's a, I think that's an interesting team just because, again, they've been so bad for so long, and we're seeing them actually make moves to try to compete. You know, if they're trying to take that step, all right, here, we're here now. We're going to try to compete this year um, and, and sign some big-name free agents like a, a Cassianos, like a Mustaka. So I'm interested to see how the Reds do and see if this White Sox young talent that are they're expecting to come up and break through this year actually does and can, can compete in a really tough AL Central. That's interesting with the Reds. I think the Reds have – those are two of the most active teams, yeah. I think, in this in terms of this offseason. To me, I don't, I don't think either team has – I think there's a chance the White Sox – um, maybe are above 500 this year just because of they they signed the you know Yasmani Grandal they got uh, Dallas Keuchel some external pieces but I think the White Sox have the best chance just because I like the guys already in house I think yeah. they have some guys um, that have a chance of who are top prospects they've had a good farm system for several years now they just signed one of their top prospects to a huge extension before he's even played a game mm-hmm. so do they have it enough internally and with the external additions to kind of get over that hump. I think there's a chance. In terms of the Reds, I don't I don't see enough of a core. Like I think that they yeah, have done that's, that's a good point. They have done a lot of stuff on the the outside that I think if they were already a good winning team or that, closer. Yeah. If they were if they had been maybe I don't know an, an 86 win team last year. I don't know exactly what they finished. They finished 75 and 87. Okay. So if they had maybe 10 15 more wins than they did last year. Um, you know, if they had competed for a wild card spot and they had made these moves, I would be a little bit more bullish on it. But to me, I just don't see enough of a, a, a unified plan. I don't see enough franchise guys in house to kind yeah. of push them over the top. I think they, but uh, so yeah, I agree. I agree that there's no like the White Sox, like you mentioned, they have a core of young players in place, and then they added pieces around them. That's right. that's a good starting point. The the Reds are a little bit the opposite. They have. Some young players that maybe not ready yet, but they just added pieces where they felt like they could and signed big names. Um, and I think those are enough to help them be just a little more competitive. I'm also kind of anticipating the cent- NL Central to take a, a drop off in yeah. terms of you know the Pirates are going to be one of the worst teams in baseball this year. They're going through a whole rebuild. The Cubs, I think, are going to be bad or worse than we've seen in the past couple of years. They're going to take a step back. I think the Cardinals are about the same. And I think the Reds are going to be, and, the, and I think the Brewers are going to probably take a step back, losing Moustakis. Um, How's Christian Yelich going to bounce back from his injury? Still have questions about that rotation. Um, I think it's enough. The Reds have enough pieces where they can take a step up. I'm not, again, I'm not saying they're making the playoffs or anything or winning the division, but I think and all those factors combined, that helps them become one of the more interesting teams to yeah. look out for this season. Like they could surprise some people and win closer to 85 games um, and maybe just be in the conversation, at least yeah. in September. And not to talk too much and turn this into a Reds podcast, but yeah. um, I just feel like we saw a lot of the similar, these similar moves last year from this team. Yeah. Trading for Tanner Roark, um, picking up um, Yasiel Puig, mm-hmm. kind of moves that, you know, are look good and and you could say they're they're nice on the surface, but do they have enough underneath? Yeah. Um, in terms of my uh, most improved team, this is going to be tough because this is a hundred and one win team from last year. But I'm going to go with the Minnesota Twins. Oh yeah. Uh, Minnesota Twins made several big moves. I like the fact that they're finally going all in. They still can't beat the Yankees, but maybe this year will change that. Maybe a Josh Donaldson will change that this year for them. Obviously, we've talked about how that 
contract is not going to look good on the back end, but it doesn't matter for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he stays healthy, he pr- provides a boost for an already dangerous lineup that broke the home run record last year. Um, they could be even better offensively, I think. They signed some minor guys on the outside, Homer Bailey, Rich Hill, for the starting rotation. They signed Sergio Romo, Tyler Clippard for the bullpen, and they and then they retain the guys, I think, is one big thing. They got Jake Odorizzi back on a qualifying offer. They extended Miguel Sano. So I, I think that they are fully prepared to go into 2020. I think the expectations for that team are very high. Yeah. Um, but I think that they have somehow, they might not have more than 100 wins this year, but I think they've raised their ceiling and have truly leapt into the elite contender conversation yeah i think so too i I would agree with that and to go off that maybe even out (laughs) this is gonna be tough for all baseball fans to hear but i think the yankees as well because if you think about last year again building off on a 103 win team how can they be one of the most improved well they add to their starting rotation i mean they add one of the best pitchers if not the best pitcher on the planet in garrett cole and again we talked about that too that contract might be coming not might not look so great in a handful of years but it's the yankees they can afford it and also think about last year again 103 wins this team suffered so many injuries throughout the course of the year. If they can stay healthy, they're going to be the best team in baseball by already adding to – all they needed was that one ace. They just needed that one ace, I felt like, a lot there, and they were this close, um, obviously losing in six to the Astros in, in the ALCS, but um, they're probably that ace away and being fully healthy away from being the best team in baseball. I would expect them to be – easy the biggest world series favorites because garrett cole and they're entering the season healthy well and you think about the fact that the astros are probably not going to be what they were and take a step back yeah. you know they they will not have garrett cole and they also you know have all of the turmoil surrounding them who you know and the, and the red sox are i was gonna say and if they end up trading mookie Betts, i mean the red sox yeah. are gonna take a step back too so who is gonna step up in the you know the yankees head into the season as massive favorites i think just to get to the world series come out of the american league yeah. but not just that, but but win the whole thing just because everybody else is, you know, who else can you look at and say this this team is a legitimate contender? Maybe the Angels, potentially, but they don't have enough pitching, I don't think. So yeah. they're, the Yankees are the, the heavy favorite. Yeah. Anything, what about the, let's, we're talking the Nationals. What about the NL East? Does anyone stand out to you in the NL East that made good stride, outside the Nationals, they've made a good stride this year that could be possibly be better this year? I think the Phillies tried to. I don't think that they did. I think that they, you know, I've been critical on this podcast before of some of the moves that they made, in particular the Zach Wheeler move. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was worth that kind of money. Um, I, I don't think that they have enough pieces in the rotation. I think Girardi was a good hire and will help stabilize them. So they might be over 500, but I can't see them winning the division. They might sneak in as a wild card team, um, but I... I think Nationals fans will, you know, will not be worried too heavily about them this year. Yeah. Um, beyond that, the Mets are the Mets. Yeah. I don't think that they, they – I mean, who is their big offseason acquisition? Dil, Dylan Batances? Yeah. Um, they really have not made major signings. They have – they've said that they've been handicapped by money. Well, maybe you shouldn't have traded for Robinson Cano. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think that the Mets have done anything to jump out. The Marlins have – are just looking to not lose 100 games, I think. They made some minor signings and minor trades. I think they could be a little better, but that's not saying much. Yeah, exactly. They could maybe win 70 games. Um, but beyond that, um, and then the Braves just reloaded. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, the Braves were a contender in terms of being the one of the most improved teams. The fact that they didn't sign Josh Donaldson hurt them slightly, um, and it kind of makes it impossible to call them the most improved team. But I think that they absolutely reloaded. I mean, they got... 
Um, guys, they got Ozuna. They got Hamels back, uh, Hamels in on one-year deals. Um, they love those one-year deals that you know don't have any risk long-term, but keep them competitive in the short term. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have such a young core, young good core that is only going to get better. So I think the Braves, unfortunately, probably head into 2020 again as favorites to repeat as NLE's champs. Yeah, I would agree too. And I, I said last week that I really like the Marcelo Zuna acquisition from for Atlanta. I think that he's going to fit really nicely in that outfield. Um, I, I don't think looking at this division. Anyone took a huge step forward. If anything, I think the Mets maybe got worse uh, because, again, they lost Zach Wheeler and then the whole fiasco with Carlos Beltran and the manager situation. I just think that's kind of setting up to be a debacle this year again for them. I think the Phillies can – I think Girardi helps the Phillies a lot. I think he helps them get above 500 uh, at at the helm as as the manager. I think he's a really good manager. I really respected and liked what he did in New York for all 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 those years. But yeah, I, I also don't think their rotations are good enough to hold up against the rest of the staff, like in like you know against the Braves and the and the Nats yeah. in this division. So I think pretty much everyone's equal. I agree that I think the Braves are probably the favorite again to be the division champ, um, and everyone took either stayed the same, maybe took a small step forward, except for the Mets, maybe taking a small step back. Yeah, I would agree with that. And then one team that I think has it leaves the most to be desired this off season is probably the Dodgers. And with the caveat that if they trade for Mookie Betts, throw this podcast out, burn <laughs> it, because I am totally wrong. Um, because I think that that is a, a home run move, pretty much no matter who they give up in that deal. I think Mookie Betts makes them, um, puts them right up there with the Yankees as title favorites yeah. um, and contenders. But beyond that, you look at their transactions over the past couple months. Uh, they lost Yunjin Rio to the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. They signed Blake Trinan to a $10 million deal. Good good old friend, Blake Trinan. They signed Jimmy Nelson to a $1.25 million deal, and they signed Alex Wood to a one-year $4 million deal. That's it. Yeah. That's all that they have done, which is kind of crazy to think about that, you know, they, they were a 100-win team last year. They were the best team in the National League. They lost in heartbreaking fashion. Sometimes you see some gut reactions to that. I'm glad they didn't sell. They didn't freak out about it. But they probably could have done a little bit more to improve that team. They're still going to be really good, even if they don't trade for Mookie Betts. But I think they have the chance to really just put this team over the top, definitively, again, put them in the 107-win conversation. But they didn't quite do that. Um, And they played it just a little bit safe, and I think that might hurt them. And they still have a huge... Really deep farm system. I mean, they Shoot, have one yeah. of the best. Pros- they have some of the best prospects in all of baseball. Gavin Lux. Um, so I mean, it's not like, yeah, you're right. They're not in a bad situation. They can. They have the means to trade for Mookie Betts, but they also don't have to. You know, they're not one of those teams that they need to make. Like I, I, I think the Yankees were one of those teams that needed to make a big move, like a Garrett Cole, in order to not just to put themselves over the top because they've been right there so close for the past couple of years. And that's a winning franchise base that they you know they need a championship yeah. again. And having gone a decade without winning one is, is killing that franchise base. I mean, that, that fan base, excuse me. Um, and also I think the same with the Dodgers though. I mean, that fan base needs a, a world series too. And having been to two in the last two, been back to back years, losing them. And then I also found finding out that the teams that beat them possibly cheated Yep. And then also being knocked out in the first round this year by the eventual World Series champion Nationals, that's a tough pill to swallow for that team and that, and that fan base. So, yeah, I think, I, I think they're still looking at it, probably the favorite in the National League as it stands right now. 
but I would say I would probably put them behind the Yankees, maybe even the Astros. Still, that I mean, talk about the cheating all you want. That roster still loaded, um, and and the tw- like you said, the Twins are a hundred, probably a hundred win team too. Uh, yeah, and if they do end up making a trade for Mookie Betts, and you also there's, they lost out on Anthony Rendon, he ended up going to the other LA team. If they do trade for Mookie Betts, yeah, throw this away. They're pro- they're definitely the favorites in the NL, maybe even uh, in all of baseball. Um, but it's also they're I think the Dodgers, even the Braves, a little bit coming into this season, they're kind of looking at either put up or shut up seasons. You know, it's enough, enough, enough is enough. You have the talent, you have the means. Someone needs to. One of those franchises needs to win a World Series in order to be validified as one of the best in all of baseball because they've been great in the regular season of the past couple of years, but it hasn't translated into a postseason championship. Yeah, and the uh, Cardinals are going to be right there again. But uh, you know, I, I think they were a lot better than the Nationals made them look in the NLCS. Yeah, um, they were a ninety-win team during the regular season. Just ran to a buzzsaw, apparently. Yeah, yeah, they have. Uh, uh, we're not promoting Jesse's book here on this podcast. <laughs> um, they have Paul Goldschmidt. They still have an excellent starting rotation and a- excellent um, pipeline to the majors. So I think the Cardinals will be right back there. And then, you know, are the Brewers going to be back in the hunt again in that NL Central? It's going to be an interesting NL race, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I, hopefully it's not just like like those couple years, but it was just the Dodgers running away with it. Hopefully there's yeah. some parity and it kind of evens out and we, we get some some tight races and not just – uh, for home field advantage, but in the divisions as well. And we see some teams that are doing go, going through some rebuilds, making maybe uh, take a step forward and, and getting that much closer to uh, to winning. So that'd be interesting. All right. Is that going to do it for our sure. last, uh, last off-season podcast? Yeah. It's so sad. Yeah. But really it's so happy, too, because that means baseball. Um, we're going to be heading down to West Palm Beach in a little over a week. We'll be uh, getting, again, all the content you would want from uh, your defending World Series champions. Make sure you're following Mass Nationals on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. And, of course, follow the Mass and All Access podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, um, and SoundCloud. Give us a, sur- a subscription to follow and spread the word. We thank you all for tuning in this offseason. We're so happy baseball is back. Of course, all, give us a follow at Paul Mancona for Paul on Twitter, at Bobby underscore Blanco for me. Mass on Access podcast is brought to you by Marymount University. Visit MarymountSaints.com to learn more about student-athletes and programs today. We'll talk to you guys from Florida. 